Cripple Content Creations presents bonus content. Disability After Dark with Andrew Gerza. Shining a bright light on sex and disability. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hey everybody, welcome to a bonus episode of Disability After Dark. I was not planning on releasing anything at all today, actually, but I just had an interview with one of my guests who is a playwright and producer in New York City with disabilities, and he's a gay disabled man, and he's currently in a play in New York called Identity that deals with queerness, disability, sexuality, all those things, and it's closing this weekend, and I wanted to put out our interview right away so that if you're in New York City, you get a chance to listen to the program. So this is Disability After Dark, a very special bonus episode. I did not give this to the Patreons first because he told me just as I hit rec- hit off that it's closing this weekend and I wanted to get it out right away. So this is for everybody right away. If you're in New York, go see this play. Pay attention to my guest, Nicholas Linehan. He's a fantastic, we had a really fun interview. We talk about sexuality, disability, queerness. Um, we talk about creating art around queerness, sexuality, and disability. He's created not only a play, but also a 10-minute short that he's producing. So we talk about how art plays into all of that. We talk about his experiences coming out. We talk about kind of his experiences being sexual, too. We had a really good conversation, and we all got it done in about 45 minutes. So, um... You're going to get the full thing right now, a little bonus episode of Disability After Dark, and I hope you enjoy. Here's my interview with Nick Linehan, right now on Disability After Dark. Nicholas Linehan, hello. Welcome to Disability After Dark. Well, thank you for having me. Very, very excited to have you. And I, the way I was connected to you was, I think your PR person reached out to me and said, we love what you're doing. Would would you have Nicholas on the show? I've never had a PR person reach out to me for, for a guest before. Or, no, I've had it only one other time. So I was like, wow, that's really cool. Um, so, I mean, that's awesome. I feel like I'm talking to a bona fide celebrity right now, um, which is super cool. Why don't you introduce yourself to the audience and let us know what you do? My name is Nicholas Linehan. I am the founder and executive director of Identity Theatre Company. We are a theatre company devoted to people with disabilities where they can come in, act alongside those without disabilities to erase the lines between disability and non-disability and to hopefully let talent, not ability level, speak for itself. I am an educator. I am a certified teacher, and I'm getting my doctorate from NYU in educational theater. Um, So... Yeah, that's a little bit about me. I'm a playwright. I'm performing in a piece I wrote called Identity As We Speak, which was the uh, inspiration for my theater company. Yeah, and I we're gonna get to all that. I have, I have, because so, I I've done some, I've done some theater as a producer and actor too, a little bit, not on the same scale as you, but I've done stuff around identity and queerness and disability, and so it's it's a really it's a really interesting topic to bring to the theater. Um, what I first want to chat with you about is, I mean, let's jump right in there. How did you, why did you want to bring this kind of stuff to the theater? Um, 
Because I believe it's relevant and it's not talked about nearly enough. 20% of the world has a disability and that is not reflected on our stage. Um, so that that's a problem in and of itself. Yep. Um, I, I had a lot of trouble identifying as a gay disabled male I had a lot of trouble uh, resolving that I was both of those things and and accepting that both parts of those were part of my identity yeah that can be that coming out as both as both gay or queer and disabled um, can be really tough can you kind of can you kind of tell me more about that story? I'm curious to know how all that... Like, sure. Um, well, I mean, growing up, you know, we knew I had cerebral palsy, so that was no big deal. And I always kind of knew from an early age that I was different in the fact that I, I liked boys. Um... And then in college, I uh, I was actually outed by by a guy that I told I was gay, and he outed me. And it, I thought it was the worst thing in the world. It turned out to be the best thing because it it forced me out of the closet. And then when I realized it wasn't such a big deal to everyone, I went. It made me realize it was really okay to be gay in that, you know, here I was gay and disabled and the world was still happening. The world was still spinning. You know, it didn't come to an end because Nick Linehan is gay and disabled. I mean, um, I'm a big drama queen. So I was, when I was coming out, I thought the same thing as you. I was like, oh my God, if I come out as gay and disabled... The whole world will stop. I, to I, I, I totally get that feeling, but I can imagine like being outed by somebody when you're already a vulnerable person, and you have, you know, you have to deal with all this other other vulnerability because of disability. Then having somebody out you on top of that, that I'm sure that wasn't a. It doesn't sound like it was a fun experience for you. No, it was not fun at the time, and there was a lot of anger involved initially and my I remember my best friend at the time going to him and kind of being like you're an asshole for doing this and uh, and you have, and a good then, there. you have a good friend there then I kind of told him the same thing and then he said Nick it's not a big deal and uh then they said, look around, they're at a party, and is anybody really talking about it or even acknowledging it? The only one acknowledging it right now is you and me, because you're bringing it up, but nobody really cares. And, you know, in college, in the 90s, for about two weeks, it was, it was kind of gossip and fanfare, as all freshmen kind of news was yep. um, when, when all the the isms of the incoming freshmen were figured out each one became its own kind of thing and then that went away for a while um, and then then people just kind of left it alone and you know I, I really didn't receive much ridicule because of it so it turned out to really be a, like I said, a blessing in disguise. In that, you know, in in that world I was out, and in my home world, I wasn't out yet. But I knew that from that experience, that coming out in and of itself was not this big scary thing. I mean, it is big and scary, but it's not as untouchable as I thought it was. Yeah, and you said you came out in the 90s? Like what, what year in the 90s did you come out? 
97. Yeah, I mean, so that was, like, I, I came out in 99 at 15, but I can imagine being in college in, like, 97. It was a different, I mean, it was 20-some-odd years ago. It was a different time like, in terms of how we looked at queerness and even in terms of how we looked at disability. So I can imagine it wasn't, like, even though the world didn't stop, it wasn't, it still wasn't something that we really talked about, especially those two interactions coming together. It wasn't talked about. It it wasn't uh, dealt with as a mainstream issue. Um, it was not. It was not something people were comfortable talking about, and so I think in a way it became easy to just accept it and put it away, yep. than to really sit there and unpack it. Yeah, and so. So, I thought. So, so when you had that like interestingly traumatic yet happy coming out experience, it sounds like it was a bit of both. When you did, when you did finally start to accept all that, how was like hooking up with dudes trying to be gay and disabled for you? Tell me some of that stuff. Um. Well, you know, my disability is largely hidden at times. I mean. When I'm not in my wheelchair, when I'm not in a lot of pain and I'm getting around without it, you know, um, and if I'm not talking a lot, you know, I can pass as non-disabled. So a lot of the people I, I hooked up with that were just hookups had no idea that I was disabled. Okay. You know, yeah. it wasn't. It wasn't a, a thing. <clears throat> and the people that did know, it, you know, when people did know I was disabled, then it became more of a challenge and more of an obstacle. And it felt like something they had to overcome versus we're just hooking up. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah, like... Like everything works the same way. This is what I really don't understand about about casual sex and disability. Maybe I don't want you to take care of me. Maybe I just want to suck your dick and then go home. Like, yeah. Why can't I be a slut just like you and then go yeah. home? Yeah, ex- exactly. You know, so largely I didn't bring it up because it didn't matter. It, it had no bearing on why I was there. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I would like I because I'm a I'm a full time wheelchair user and I have spastic CP. Uh, I there I have no there's no way that I can pass as anything other than disabled. So like I just I I would be really excited to have the privilege of one day of like oh people don't like I'd love to imagine what I would be like if I couldn't if I couldn't if people couldn't tell that I was disabled for like 24 hours just to see. Well, men are still assholes. Men are assholes. <laughs> men are assholes regardless if they know or not. You know, um, you know, our our community is so clicky, yeah, and so um, superficial that. It can be very hard to find acceptance, even for non-disabled people, if they don't have the desired body type. Yeah, if they and I talk about this a lot on the show. If they don't, if you don't have a six-pack, a big dick, and you're not down to fuck right away, then I'm yeah. not paying any attention to you. And as I've said on the show before, like if even I sometimes am swept away by like the ideal porn star body when it's like no 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 you should look for a real person who's an actual person who doesn't look like that because I don't look like that and that's okay yeah I mean well I mean I'm a yeah sure I a guy with the six pack is great but you know eye candy is one thing you know am I so obsessed with that that that's all I see and that's all I want to be with and you know, I'm at the point now where I want more than just sex. Yeah. So it's like 
I want I want a husband. I want someone to live my life with, not someone that just looks physically appealing. Yes, I have to be attracted to them physically, but there's a whole lot more to it than just the physical. Totally, and I think part of what I think, at least for me with disability, what I enjoy about being disabled is that it forces people to not look past the disability, but look at it as a whole and realize that like there's more to me than just whether or not I have a big dick, which I totally do, but (laughs) (laughs) there's more to me than that, and that's okay. Yeah, you know, um... You know, now it's it's a matter of a do you turn me on intellectually or physically, or b is there something beyond that? Do I want to be with you after we're done? After we come, do I want you to leave right away, or do I want you to stay? Yeah. And if I want you to stay, then then I found something that's worth fighting for. Have you ever kind of, have you been with somebody who you wanted to stay after? Um, a few times. Not a whole heck of a lot. You know, I've also decided that for myself, I don't want the random casual thing anymore. So, not that I... That's a big step. How did you, how did you get there? Just realizing that I want a partner, you know, I don't, I don't want just to go on grinder and find someone to, to mess around with, and then f- fifteen minutes later they go home. Yeah, you know, like it's not what I want anymore. I want someone to share my life with. How have people reacted to like you? You talked a minute ago about how they've. When you when you disclose you have a disability with a hookup or even with a potential partner, things can get weird. Can you and we've talked about this a little bit on the show, but can you share with me your experiences of like disclosing disability and when things got weird or when things went okay yeah. or you know um you know I've met guys who you know they'll ask me why why I talk funny or why I sound different. You know, um... Which is so silly, because if you talk to you for, like, two seconds, I don't hear a difference now. Like, I hear New York, but I don't hear, like, classic CP spastic voice. Yeah. You know, it... It, um... It really just... It really just depends on the guy, and... And really, what... You know, if it gets to the point where I'm ready to disclose my disability and what I have and and whether I'm willing to let that person know that I would like something more with them than just sex. Yeah. Are you the kind of person when you want, like, when I like somebody, even if we're, like, even if we're just fucking, if I like somebody, I get really intense really fast. And I'm like, I want to, let's hang out, like, right out, like, let's do all the things. Are you one of the people that rushes headlong into it, or are you, like, a slow... Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. When, when, I, when I like you, I want dates, and I want sex, and I want, I want everything all at once. So, yeah, because, I, because I'm one of those people that I don't have any chill. So, like, I can't, if I like you, I'll text you often, and I'll be like, let's chat and let's hang out. And, like, I'm very comfortable initiating that stuff. Are you, it sounds like that's similar for you. Yeah, you know, I am, um, I like, I like regular, frequent communication. Maybe not, you know, 
like I need to see you the next day, but no, no, but like no. send me a text that like the blowjob I gave you was nice. That'd be nice. Yeah, well, that's always a good feeling. Yeah, because um, you know, I I just think that we, and I, this is something I think that non-disabled men don't seem to understand. Like we, because we're disabled, I think we need a, a higher level of communication because we've been taught from a young age that you have to communicate your needs because you have to communicate what you want and you have to tell me what you want so you can get what you need. And so we've been doing that since we were kids, especially when you have like CP or another, you know, marked disability like that, you've taught to stand up for yourself. And then when you go into the queer community and do the same thing, everyone's like, oh, why are you so intense? It's like, well, no, I was just trying to tell you what I want. Yeah. You know, it's funny because this this notion of a gay community has not really existed for me. I mean, I have a few gay friends. Um, most of my friends are straight. Um, you Isn't know, I have that because like, I feel the same way. I can, I get along with my straight friends sometimes a lot better than I do with my gay community. Yes. You know, and, and, you know, I don't drink, I don't, I don't do drugs. So, you know, it's like, if I'm not on Grindr or, or dating sites, wh where are you supposed to go to make those connections? That are, are clubs accessible for you is that something you can you like other than like i know you don't drink or do the drugs but if you uh if you if, if i chose yes i could go to one but i don't like the scene i've never felt comfortable there yeah that's just not me yeah it can you seem like just from talking to you today you seem like introspective and you have you have all the feelings you see it's like looking into it like talking to you is like and hearing that bit of your story is like talking to a version of myself, basically, is what I feel like I'm doing right now. Because everything you've said is literally me. Um, so you've only, you've only had kind of like on and off chances to meet somebody who kind of really gives a shit about you. Can you share an experience where something went good and like you had a moment with the community where you didn't feel like you... Um, you know... Usually it's through theater, you know, through through acting and, you know, meeting other other gay actors who are out there and working with them and forming relationships around theater that are based on acting, not so much on disability or hooking up. Yeah. But around our interest in the theater, that has been a source where things have gone well for me. That's awesome. That's that's fantastic. I'm actually really curious about one of the things you wrote in. You wrote and starred in a, a short film called Catfish, and when you first sent me that, I thought you meant like the the... TV show Catfish, and I was like, what amazing, and then I read further, and I realized you, like, produced this thing, this is awesome, um, well, tell me about that. Well, my friend Max Reiser was in a film called Occupy Me, which explores the power position, the power relationships between being a top and being a bottom, and I immediately said to Max, what would happen if one of those guys showed up and they were in the wheelchair? And Max said, oh my God, that makes such a good idea for a film. So originally Max and I were going to write this together and then he backed out. So I ended up writing this project on my own and um, I thought, well, is it a catfish 
to go and say you're going to hook up with somebody and show up and be in a wheelchair and not have disclosed that. You know, and then if it is, how do you negotiate, you know, trying to get the guy to see that you're still the same guy that was talking to them online that they wanted to fuck? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a tough one because I am really outspoken about my disability and I like my grinder profile right now says Big Dick Crip. Um, and like my, my profiles are really directly like, yeah, you want to fuck me? Here's my, I'm, I'm in a wheelchair, deal with it. Like, and, and so like, I'm really not shy about that. But I, there have been a few times in my experiences where I didn't say anything and then the guys freak out and run away. Um, but I think what, what, what I'm interested in is I, I would love to see, I'm really excited to watch this. I'm going to watch this after we're done talking because I want to see that. Can you tell me what it was like putting that on film and kind of writing that and getting it getting it well, going? Writing it was was interesting because it was like, all right, well, how do they negotiate that relationship, that give and take of, all right, so here we are, and they will buy the guy and the guy in the wheelchair and we're here to have sex, but I didn't know you were in the wheelchair. So, and the guy in the film ends up letting the guy in the wheelchair into the apartment. And um, they end up having sex after kind of much negotiation and, um, and a little, a little bit of smoking of a joint, uh, they end up in bed together, and the sex is fantastic. As it should be, because disabled people are hot, and we're great in bed, everyone. Yeah. Just well, and that, that was another myth that I wanted to kind of dispel, is that, that just because we're disabled does not mean that A, we don't want to fuck, and B, that we're going to be bad at it. Yeah, I mean, there are sex things I am not good at, but for the most part, I can make you come. Yeah, same here. Um, <laughs> so, I wanted to, to see what that was like, and, um, you know, so it was, it was, an uncomfortable experience in a way because I had a really hot straight guy that I was playing opposite next who was really, really cool and a, a lot more okay with things than I thought he was going to be. Um, and, you know, during the the sex scene where we had to kiss and be real intimate, it was real easy to get um, vulnerable with him and to get um, caught up in the moment of connection that these two characters have, yeah. which becomes what the able-bodied guy is fighting for is, let's see where that moment of connection can take us. And the disabled guy is not willing to allow himself to go there. That's really real. Like, the, the, like I'm curious, how did you turn... Because that happens to so many of us disabled people all the time. Like, we, we're scared, so sometimes we don't let people in. Or I'm the, I'm the, I'm the opposite. You and, I, you and I sound like the opposite of, like, I'll let you in right away, just be a cool person. Like, but the, the desire to, like protect yourself is really strong within our community, especially around sex. How do you turn that kind of thing that happens so frequently into, like, an art form? Um, well, you know, I always thought there was something there that connection with another human being 
is is something that can't be described in words. It's it's neurotransmitters, it's pheromones, it's it's something that just happens. Yeah. And because it just happens it's it's not something easily transcribable. And I wanted to try to put that in the film and to capture the essence of 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 what um of what that moment is. And that's tough to do. Did you find did you find it hard to like with the blocking and all the like the visuals and the way did you find that hard to create that moment? Yeah, because you know it's how do you create a moment that words can't describe? Yeah. You know how how do you create make something tangible that's intangible? And so, um, so like, what did you? What was your when it was all said and done? Like, how did you feel with the film? Um, I feel like we were able to to get some shots and some takes that really captured the essence of it. Um, it's still being edited, edited, so we'll see what what happens in the editing room and if the editor is able to capture what was in your that head. chemistry. Yeah. If you want to send me a secret like edited copy, I would love that. It just sounds great. It sounds, it sounds like something I think we need to see more of. And what I like about it is that you're using something that happens in the, in the disabled world all the time and you're not doing a documentary where, like, that's, it's necessarily real. It's a real moment, but you can dramatize it a little bit and play with it some more. And that's yeah. something, we don't, we don't see disabled cinema from cinema, like, shorts or cinema, whatever it is, from the disabled person's perspective and written by a disabled person. That doesn't happen very often. So this, especially in queer media, so this is a really valuable, important piece, and I'm, I'm excited for you for that. Yeah, well, I'm excited to see if they can get, you know, that je ne sais quoi, you know, thing that I'm after here. If they're able to find that and transmit that. Well, I think you're lucky because, you know, there are so few people doing what it is that we do, openly talking about our queerness and disability together, especially when it comes to film or the arts. Most of the time when we talk about that, it's being it's being shown through the eyes of somebody who wants to learn about the experience, but is able-bodied. This is different because you know the experience, and you're saying, oh, here's what I want, and I want to put this on film. So I think it will capture that because we haven't seen enough of that before. So it's going to capture something for sure. Yeah, you know, I I will just I'll be interested interested to see if what I have in my mind comes across in the film. Totally, and I I am like chomping at the bit to see it. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you up at some point and be like, so that edited thing I want to see. Can I see a little bit of it? Um, I want to ask you some sexy questions. Can I do that? Sure. Tell me. Okay, so tell me about your best hookup and your worst hookup as a queer, as a gay disabled person? Um, my best hookup was with, was about two years ago with a guy named Nick who lived, um, five blocks from where I live. And uh, the kissing was great. It was just passionate. It was hot. You know, everything just worked. You know, there was chemistry. You know, it was a great kisser. Um, There's nothing awkward. And, you know, 
at the end of the of the day, we were both satisfied customers. Um, the worst one um, you know was probably there's been hooking up has never been a, a rather in college I mean it was I did it so much it was it was good and rampant but now that I'm getting older and getting more selective about what I want and who I want to do it with you know it's becoming more awkward because it's like when I see you it's like do I really want to go through this with you and you know and a lot there's been quite a few times where I'm literally just waiting for him to come so he can leave and I can get on with my day. <laughs> Which is so funny because typically when people think of of us having sex, they think that like we're so... And I, I love that you said that because I've had some, some sex with some people that was good sex and we were enjoying ourselves, but there's a moment where you're like... Are we done? Is it over? I want. I have stuff to do. Like, can we? Can you finish already? Like, I've I've sucked your dick. I fucked you. Can we? Get, is it over yet? Can we be done? Yeah, exactly. You know, and there are just sometimes where I'm like, I'm bored. You know, lots of times where I've been like, I'm bored. You know. You said I'm bored. I haven't said it, but I felt it. Okay, I'm glad, I'm glad you didn't say it, because I was like, wow, that's ballsy. <laughs> I can just imagine no. you're like, excuse me, I'm bored. Are you done? Is it over? Um, uh, uh, so you mentioned that the short film you made, Catfish, was inspired by a conversation about being a top or bottom. So I feel compelled to ask you then, are you a top or bottom? Um, I am... Neither, because I don't enjoy receiving or giving anal sex. Amazing. That's totally great. Um, I, just not my thing, never really has been a turn on for me. The thought of it turns me on, but the actual act hurts way too much. Yeah, it's, it can be, I have been, I'll be frank, I've been a top, and even that sometimes is like, okay... This is not... I don't need this. You could just give me a hand job and a blowjob and a makeup session and I'd be more than happy. Like, I'm good. Exactly. Um, like, I want sex to feel good, not... not... not to feel weird and then kind of good, but kind of not. And then you're... then you're kind of not sure what to do. And then... then... It's kind of over, like, like getting fucked. The idea, I guess, used to turn me on. But every time I tried it, it never really lived up to what I thought it was going to be. See, and I've never bought him, and it's something that I feel as a, as a queer man who sleeps with men, I feel like I'm missing out on this like important thing that we're supposed to do as queer men. So like I again the idea turns me on but I think the reality the reality terrifies the like yeah terrifies me because, but also because I don't have enough dexterity to like take care of myself if anything happens yeah so it's awesome that you're all about the oral skills and I applaud you because I'm one of, I'm in that camp too so yay for that um would you say that you're I'm gonna ask you some more sexy questions because they're in my brain. Would you say then that your skills as a lover are changed by your CP or enhanced by your CP at all? Oh, they're they're affected because our our muscles are weaker. 
Yeah. You know, so so what we're able to do is affected by our weaker muscles. Yep, yep. At least I am. I'm, um, I'm in the same boat as you. Um, you know, and unfortunately, like, bigger for me is not always better because I can't always do what I would like to do. And so, so I think what you're saying is you can't open your mouth enough to take a big dick. Yeah. I get you. Some, I, or I, or I sometimes, you know, it's a matter of of having enough control so that they don't feel any teeth. That's you hard. know that is that's a tough one. It's that's tough. It's about to CP to like, and I, I sucked some dick this morning and I sucked some dick last night. I'll be quite frank. Hey everybody, hey. And uh, <laughs> when I was doing that, I had to like remind myself, don't just you know like. To really keep my mouth in a, I'm not gonna accidentally bite this person way. Yeah. And you know, so like, for me to do all that work, it has to be someone that I really want to please. Yep. And I had to really like you in order to do that. And I don't remember it always being this big of a challenge for me. I think as I got older, it's gotten harder. Totally, because gay men don't grow up until they're like 40, and even yeah. then, it doesn't always happen. So I, I totally I totally understand the, the like, how you're feeling about wanting something more, because, yeah, I like to fuck around, but I, I do want something more too, and I'm in a weird space where, like, I want more, but I'm also, like, I love being single. It's great. But if somebody was like, hey, want to go on a date? I'd be like, sure, great. Yeah. <laughs> so quickly, because I know you have to run off to an engagement, I want to just ask, tell me about the play you've written and the play you're, well, the play you're putting on and you're starring in. Tell me all about that. Well, identity deals with what happens when, if your identity is removed and if you become unaware of aspects of yourself. So the main character um, is a gay disabled Catholic and he wants to have his identity removed so that he is made unaware of these things. And he seeks out a doctor who can do this experimental procedure on him. And um, it doesn't work. He ends up figuring out who he is through a series of flashbacks with his parents and um, but then he, he learns ultimately that accepting himself is the key to his happiness and he needs to live as a complete person not as uh, warring factions yeah. but learns to embrace all of himself. And I, I'm I'm so curious about that because I I too have I'm working with a company in Toronto and we are kind of staging a play around queerness and disability where the three of us tell our stories as queer disabled men and I remember we've been working on it for a couple of years now and trying to get it trying to first of all get it into something that is palatable to an audience that is probably predominantly not disabled. And, yeah. And then kind of retaining our artistic integrity as disabled artists while doing that is really hard. Did you find that when you were creating this piece? Um, no, I was just interested in telling the story of this character. Yeah. And letting the pieces of what people got fall where they may. Yeah. So you didn't you didn't like intend to craft it a certain way to make it more or less palatable. You were like, "Here's the story, fucking deal with it." Thanks. 
Yeah. Basically, I have a story I want to tell, and I hope you come away with something from it, but I'm not going to worry myself about what your, what your take on this. That's, yeah. that's for you to figure out and for you to have therapy over, like, to figure out who you are is your place, not mine. Yeah, like I'm, I'm not there to hold your hand through your own ableism, deal with it or not deal with it. Yeah. Um, what was it like, um, kind of bringing this to producers and saying I want to make this a thing? Like, what was the creation process of this piece like? Um, you know. Working collaboratively is wonderful, but it's also terrifying because you have five or six voices coming at you at a time. Yeah. And you have uh, so many different ideas being thrown at you, and you have to retain your own voice and make sure that the story you're telling is the one that you want to tell. And ultimately, it's the story that you want to put forth, not other people's ideas of what they think will make your story better. Yeah. When you were when you were putting this through creation, were you working with other disabled artists, or was it mostly able-bodied? M- mostly able-bodied. So did you find it kind of harder to like bring this story forward because... They don't have the same lived experience as you do, and they don't have the kind of disability community to draw from, so... Yeah, they... You know, it's funny. Most of the developmental issues of the script do not center around the disability aspect of the play, but around the sexuality because I think that was more universal and more people had differences of opinion on how that should be dealt with. Yeah. And I mean, um, but I mean, it's good. It's good that like the disability wasn't something you really had to fight over. No, that was kind of accepted and like, okay, point taken, moving on. Yeah, yeah. I'm and it's it's running it's running right now right it's running for yeah it, we're on our closing weekend it runs tomorrow Saturday and Sunday if you come see it um it's tomorrow at eight Saturday at eight Sunday at three and seven I was gonna release this in a few weeks but I'm actually gonna release it now as a bonus content episode so that people can hear it and get out. Uh, to see your show before, before Great. it closes, I'm gonna I'm gonna put it up today actually because I want I want to make sure people who are in New York, right? Yep. Who are in NYC, my people there. Great. Yep. So my people there, I'm thinking about Jesse Yates. I'm thinking about Ryan Haddad. Come and see this show. It's important. It's community building. Um, and for anybody listening. Maybe Nick will take it on the road? Yeah, if we get the right backing. Who knows? Hey, look. Hey, look, Toronto. Toronto. <laughs> Bring Nick in. Please. And if, if you're a small theater somewhere in America and you want to have, you want to check that diversity box, this is the way to do it, people. This is how you do yeah. it. Check the box. Yeah. Put Nick Linehan in to your stuff because this is important and... I will stand disabled artists all day long. Nick, <laughs> I don't want to keep you because I know you're going to go somewhere, but I want to ask you to tell us where can people get a hold of you? Sure, they can identify. identify. They can visit identitytheaterwithER.com um, and they can email me at Identity Theater with the ER at AOL.com. Fantastic. Nick Linehan, this is a fun conversation, and thank you so much for taking the time today. I know you're busy running around closing your show. 
I really enjoyed talking to you. You're fantastic, uh, and thank you so much. Thank you. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, so that's another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. I am, of course, your host, Andrew Gerza. Thank you so much for listening to this program and for shining a bright light on sex and disability with me today. If you want to follow my work, you can head over to my website, www.andrewgerza.com. You can also follow me on the Twitter, at Andrew Gerza. You can also follow our podcast on the Twitter at DisAftDarkPod, or you can head over to our Facebook page, www.facebook.com slash disabilityafterdark. If you're listening to this show and you're able to review us, it would be super awesome if you could leave us a five-star review about what the show means to you, why it's important, and so we can get our little show higher up on the algorithm as one of the only shows to discuss sex and disability every single week. A review from you would be super appreciated. Lastly, this show is mostly self-run, save for one or two awesome sponsors. So if you want to support Disability After Dark and help more people hear about the show and help the show keep going, you can pledge to us on our Patreon. And the address for that is patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark. All one word, patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark. And you can pledge... As little as $1 a month, or some people have pledged as much as 50 which is amazing. Um, and you can get episodes early, bonus episodes, all that stuff for supporting the show. But that's an episode. Hope you liked it, and we'll be back next week for another episode. Thanks. Bye. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations, with music by Chris Sugiuchi. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright 2019.